lovely people in internet land, I've always wanted to do that. I am Andrew AC Yoshimura, and welcome to the first episode of Game Life Gaiden. So this is actually a new sort of series that I've cooked up. Anyone in the Game Life Balance team can do this. Australian, American, Nigerian, if we have a Nigerian team. We might have we a don't Nigerian have one. team. We don't? No. No, we should. We should, we should totally franchise ourselves out, because that would be awesome. Maybe they started $50,000 American per franchise. <laughs> I think it's a fair price. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, we could you could have a you could have a West Coast and East Coast. Uh we could have the Tasmanian edition that would just be a couple of pigs in a farm, I guess. But still, $50,000. I'm sure people would be happy to pay that. We'd be getting some of that fine podcast moolah that everyone else but us seems to be making. Oh yeah, everybody's making tons of podcasts. <laughs> Everybody knows that. <laughs> Okay, so Game Life Gaiden is basically an offshoot. So Gaiden is Japanese for B story or side story. So why they named uh, Ninja Gaiden that title in America is very odd uh, because it just means Ninja's side story. But it was a pretty big story they were telling in that 8-bit game. And in uh, Europe and Australia, they called it Shadow Warrior because Ninja was too hardcore, apparently. I think, so speaking, speaking on behalf of America, first of all, um, I'm Jonathan Martin. I'm the host of Game Life. I'm one of the two hosts of Game Life Balance US, the US edition of, our, of the Game Life Balance podcast. Uh, question, well, first of all, as far yeah. as guidance is concerned, um, again, speaking for America, we, there, there, is a, there is a group of people, there's a large group of people that kind of fetishize or glamorize Japanese culture. Um, maybe without knowing spe very specifics of Japanese culture. And so it, that's in America. And so Gaiden kind of sounds like a cool Japanese word and kind of fits at the end of Ninja, right? And so that was probably the dumb American reason why it was called Ninja Gaiden, because it's a cool sounding word. You know, I don't, I don't disagree with you there, but the funny thing is that a lot of the Americans I know uh, will actually say Gaiden, like it's Ninja Gaiden, which like... They put this kind of cool sounding word, but they got it wrong anyway. Yeah, but I mean, it just, it, at least it looks cool, right? At least it looks cool when it's written out. It looks it very does. Japanese. So, and I mean, unless you need glasses and it looks like Ninja Garden. Oh boy, yes. Totally going to cut game. those roses today. That, that's, that's probably an app on the App Store, and it's probably a flappy bird knockoff or something terrible. It's probably got microtransactions. Um, oh, okay. well, I, have a, I have a question for you. Sure. Uh, it is around the basis of your name because yep. when I when I was first introduced to you, it was through Twitter. Yep, um, and it was as AC uh, Yoshimura, mm -hmm. uh, and then I heard on the podcast that you were Andrew. Yep, that's so, right. Right, so I I got the first and last name there, but then the C is a mystery. The C is a complete mystery to me, and I don't think it, I'm assuming it doesn't stand for complete mystery. So, <laughs> where where's the C? Is that the no, middle name? Where does that come from? Uh, the C is actually my maiden name. So Yoshimura is my married name. Uh, my wife is from Japan. I spent a good seven years over there in the 2000s, 2003 to 2010, I think I came back. Wow, okay. Um, and when I was over there, I met the love of my life, uh, Marie, uh, who I usually just call Machan. Uh, but her name is spelled M-A-R-I-E, so it looks like Marie rather than Marie. Okay. So, of course, everyone just calls her Marie over here. Uh, and she is the only child of a family that has been on the same kind of area, plot of land for 
at least 100 years, maybe 200 years. So when we got married, I decided, oh, I'll we'll take her name. It seems like the honorable thing to do. Sure, because it's such an old established family is what you're saying. Well, it's not, it's not the fact that it, um, you know, it's a good solid family, you know, that has high honor and all that kind of stuff. It's just uh, I was taking away their only daughter. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. And I thought I gotta gotta keep that tradition. So when we have kids, which we've had one lately, she'll be yep. Yoshimura as well, and they'll they'll keep on that family name. So uh, it was very nice of them. I was accepted into their family, and my maiden name is Campbell. So okay, you picked right. You the Yoshimura. most pedestrian names ever. <laughs> it's true. Yoshimura is far more superior. So yeah, no, you picked right. Yeah, I think I, I think I chose wisely there, actually. Yeah. But uh, I usually write my name out, Andrew L. Yoshimura, because it makes it sound highfalutin. And that, that does make you sound like a very important person. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm are, you a very, are you a very important person? I am wearing this weird double tie thing today. You really? You, you should have told me you were dressing up, because I, <laughs> I, would have, I probably wouldn't have worn anything different, honestly. But I, I may have thought about it. It's okay. So for, for people at home, people, people on the John listening, people who are John, I think, I, I think we don't actually use the word John for toilet in Australia. I'm, I'm trying to slightly Americanize myself. Nobody uh, uses that word here, but it's no. Fine. Okay. No, not really. No, no. Well, I mean, you might be biased because your name actually is John. <laughs> yeah, no, but really though, nobody uses that word here. <laughs> so we are recording secretly. I am cheating on Rob and John is cheating on Cody. So... Uh, we, we, thought, we were in an open relationship to begin with. <laughs> I, I really wanted to keep this a secret from Rob yeah. because he'll, he'll just have a, uh, what we call a spack attack. He'll just go nuts because I didn't tell him about it and because I'm going to put it up without his knowledge. Now, was uh, Rob like a Snoopy guy? Would, would, was he like, is, would he like pride? Does he kind of know something's going on? No, uh, not too much, actually. He's, Rob is really, really respectful. And he is like a surprisingly um, intuitive person. So he doesn't need to snoop so much. However, uh, when I told him that I needed to learn how to set all of this up, what I did say was that in the future, I wanted to record stuff with Cody and like with people, some of my sure. friends in Japan and everything like that. And so he showed me, luckily, two days ago. And I just kind of used that uh, new knowledge to my advantage. So I don't think he suspected that we had this on the cards. But okay. he probably knew that I was going to use it at some stage. So hopefully I won't put this up and go, oh, yeah, I knew that was going to happen. He wasn't like, hey, AC, let's hang out at like, I don't know, maybe 11 o'clock our time on <laughs> Sunday morning because that's like a normal time to hang out. And you're like, um, I can't. I got, a, I got this thing. I've See, got a thing. You see, the, the great thing is that uh, me being an atheist and uh, my good friend Rob being a Christian, he's at church now. Mm. He's church the church on a Sunday morning, so we've chosen the perfect time. The actual answer to it is that you have a kid now and he has a kid now, and so you never <laughs> actually see each other again outside of that one scheduled time that you record. That is also a very good point. We, we ended up recording, the last time we recorded, it was like on a Friday night at 9 p.m., and the baby had just been put to bed and we just stuffed our faces with pizza, ran in there and recorded one of the most insane episodes I think I've ever recorded because we were both like, he was tired from work. I was tired from looking after my kid 
and it just it got into some really weird places. But uh, I'm happy with the way that that episode turned out. Rob sobered up the next day and went, "Should should we really post this?" But uh, no, it, was, it was beautiful. It's totally fine. <laughs> I love it when that stuff goes up because he's always worried. Then he listens back to it because he edits and goes, oh, okay, yeah, okay. Um, it was insane, but it was actually pretty funny. So he, he usually leaves it up there. Yeah, absolutely. So you are just getting done with, I guess here in America, we'd call it paternity leave. Mm, that's um, right. I, or I guess child, I there's no like formal name for it other than paternity and maternity leave here. So, But you're getting done with that, right? Well, kind of, kind of. So uh, with my particular job and uh, enterprise agreement, we have six weeks of parental leave. Now, there is like maternity and paternity leave. And there is uh, in Australia, if you are the primary caregiver, then you get a certain amount of uh, like you can have six months off work, I think. And like you get three months of or four months of benefits of uh, like um, minimum wage benefits from the government. Sure. I think so. You know, it's like a little a little payoff to help you, you know, settle the baby in and, and breastfeed and all that kind of stuff. If you're the primary caregiver, uh, I am not the primary caregiver, although I am one of the parents. Yeah, <laughs> so I they, feel like they, you are one of the. I mean, you're one of the primary caregivers. I would like to think so, but uh, I, according I to the government, you, I want to give you more credit than the government right now. <laughs> I think you are probably a primary caregiver. You should you should work for the Australian government then, as please. a fellow father. <laughs> So I, um, we got six weeks, which I can use at any time throughout the year, which is phenomenal, I think, because I thought it would be two weeks or something like that. And even with two weeks, I'd be pretty happy, to be honest. But six weeks where I can take for like five-day blocks at any time throughout the year. I took the first two weeks uh, after my, uh, my little baby, May, was born. Okay. Uh, and then my, uh, my mother-in-law was here for uh, about a month or so and she was a big help uh, she couldn't speak a lick of english only japanese okay so for that month i was speak sinking more and more into japanese culture and starting to use my japanese again and then she left and now forgotten right. it all okay well i bet that was fun though for the, it was good. the month that it lasted yeah. it was good she was a really really big help actually and uh and then in, then last week uh, may had like some kind of allergic reaction or she had some skin problem and she wasn't settling very well, so I decided, you know what? I think my wife needs a hand, so took another week off. That sounds all real great. That sounds really great. <laughs> you sound a little jealous. What's well, the situation I, in America? Like, what do you guys get any paternity leave? Well, we we do. So there's a there's a law on the books that allows both both the mom and the dad to take six weeks um, at the birth of the baby, but then that is when. It is done. So like you take that amount of time. Mm -hmm. It's totally unpaid um, in America. I'm not sure really? if yours is. It's is, is yours, no, mine's paid. Yeah, no. That is, that is ridiculous. So yeah, ours is completely unpaid. And so what ends up happening, like in especially two income households, like most of the households in America are, mm -hmm. uh, the, the mom takes six weeks and has to use all of her vacation when she has the baby. So we use up all of our vacation time then as new parents. Um, the dad takes a week's worth of vacation, maybe two weeks of vacation, and then has to go back to work because generally they are out of vacation or they're running lower on vacation then, or our jobs don't allow us to take multiple weeks of vacation in a row. Hmm. So that's kind of like our situation. So we have to go into our own personal time off wow. in order to, yeah. And I mean, nobody can afford to not work for 
for six, you can't like, if you're normally having two incomes in the house, you can't just not work for six weeks, both of you. It just doesn't work that way. So we recognize, at least I recognize that we are very far behind in terms of (laughs) other, in terms of, of other uh, nations and like how we treat our parents, but what are you going to do? Like, that's what we live with. We work around it. See, that's such a funny thing because in Australia about, uh, until recently, fairly recently, I think it might even still be going on there. We had this thing called the baby bonus. So if you had a baby, you would get like two grand from the government just for having a baby. And of course, Australians being Australians, because we have such a low population, they were trying to stimulate the economy and population growth and all that. Uh, we're only like 24 million people and our, our land mass size is similar to that, a little bit smaller to the continental United States. So, I was going to say, um, Australia looks really big on the map. I mean, I'm no mapologist. In fact, I don't even think that's what they're called. But I like map- mapologist sounds good. It looks really big on a map. You see, what you've got to remember is that most of the middle is desolate, desert, <laughs> and mostly uninhabitable, uninhabitable, filled with really dangerous creatures. Uh, okay. Like the most poisonous snakes live out there. It, it never rains. It doesn't really do anything. Uh, there are some habitable spots in there, of course, and people do live in the outback. But all the major city centres in Australia are all around the outside. And the cities aren't massive and they don't have good uh, public transportation infrastructure. So basically, um, they tried to stimulate the conservative government of the uh, 2000s, tried to stimulate the uh, economy and tried to stimulate population growth by giving people... Um, I think it was $2,000. I was away overseas at the time to have babies and then they would still get that certain amount of time off. And although there was a population spike, people started calling it the flat screen bonus because after they got the the baby bonus, they spent it on flat screen televisions. I'm I'm all for... uh, I'm all for trying to experiment with ideas in how to increase population growth. I don't know if... I I don't know if intuitively paying babies to... Or paying uh, families to make babies makes sense to me. I don't it, know if that makes sense to me. It, uh, yeah, it, it seems so bizarre to me. I mean, having a child in Australia is very expensive, but, you know, we do get all of these perks at the same time. So, right. it, you know, it, it kind of does even out. And house, housing prices in Australia are very, very expensive. Uh, I'm We're pretty lucky. We do have a house. We do have a massive, massive half million dollar mortgage on an almost half million dollar mortgage on the house. I mean, that's because 5% of the land in Australia is habitable. The other, 95, no, the other 95%, 5% is habitable. The other 95% is all in the middle with all the poisonous snakes and stuff that nobody wants to live in. So you don't just have a lot of space to live. I mean, to be completely fair, that's, uh, that percentage you just gave me, I don't know whether it's true or you pulled it out of your head, but I'm going to say that's true. I actually just pulled it out of is, my head, but there is a I, fairly good chance that that might actually be true. I mean, sure. habitable is an interesting word because there are places you could live, but probably don't want to live. So, you know, there, there are places in the outback where you, you could set up camp, you know, by a billabong <laughs> or something like that. And you could survive there maybe, but with no high speed internet, I don't know what you're going to do with yourself. Steal a jump <laughs> buck or something, I suppose. Wow, I actually know both of those words. Okay, <laughs> I did though. I really did. So, um, what do we normally do, right? In our in our shows, typically our shows started off as video game podcasts, yeah. kind of originally, you know. And over our like our story briefly was that we 
had been recording for four-ish years and realized that we just didn't play games like we used to because we had both gone off, gotten big boy jobs, gotten married. I had a kid. So like time was different and what we did with our lives was different. So we were like, well, we want to still get together and we want to still record. And that was when the whole game life balance thing started when we approached you guys and said, hey, can we use this name? Because it's a great name. And this unholy uh, demonic alliance was founded between the, the two <laughs> sides of the, of the globe. Um, and so now we kind of talk about, like, we still talk about video games. Both of us do. Both of our shows do. Because we still like video games, right? Uh, but then we, there's all this other stuff, too, that gets in the way. So we both kind of talk about that, too. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, I find it interesting because when you guys first approached me, I went back and listened to, uh, I, I couldn't listen to every single episode of no. um, Unqualified Gamers because I just, I did not have the time. I barely had the time to do my own stuff, but I, w I went back and, you know, made sure you guys were legit and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I noticed that towards the end, like I, I listened to a couple of random samplings throughout the years and the episode seemed to be getting a little shorter, but it was also, you were just talking about the same game from week to week. Yeah, for and, sure. Absolutely. Uh, Cody was playing Heathstone, Hearthstone, something. He loves that game. It's his favorite game ever. He loves yeah, it. There's a lot of Final Fantasy talk and uh, Final yep. Fantasy 13, I think, was just being played constantly. And yes. I thought, and there was more and more life stuff. And I just, I kind of got, yes, this is exactly, you know, exactly where you're coming from. This yeah, is exactly and we were what stretching. happens. And it was like stretching episodes, of, like force, forcedly stretching episodes so that they lasted at least like a half an hour. I mean, it was miserable. So we took a break. We're like, hey, let's reboot this as something different. And that was when this this whole deal got started. So um, one of the really interesting things for me about you is that from what from what I can tell, you basically don't play contemporary games almost at all. Is that true? Oh, like, yeah, pretty true. I am a retro you, gamer. I will you're admit. like 95% like of the games you play are retro <laughs> you games, love, aren't you they? You love that number. You love that 95% number. 96% of the games. <laughs> no, let's go back play. to 95. I like that number. Yeah. Is, uh, I, I mean, it's true though, right? It's, like it's most pretty of the true. Stuff you play. Yeah, most of the stuff. I am a retro gamer. Um, what we did before Game Life Balance, and I'm talking about the original incarnation of Game Life Balance, where there was no US or Australia, it was just the podcast, was uh, Rob and I did a video YouTube series called Bit Seizure, as in 8-bit, uh, 16-bit, all that kind of stuff. And we sure. played retro video games, commentated over the top, had a bit of a skit at the start. You know, I'd saw the top of Rob's head off or, uh, you know, he would chop off one of my hands or something like that when we were playing Alex Kitten and uh, Scissors Paper Rock and all that kind of stuff. Sure. And it was a lot of fun, but um, we decided to end that series uh, because it, it had a beginning, it had a middle, like we, uh, we were our characters. We were AC and Rob. We weren't Andrew and Robert. Uh, and we, we kind of overplayed that, that's the, the, you know, the, the basic personality that we have. We yeah. exaggerated that as characters and we always wore smoking jackets and all that kind of stuff. So that, that was our bit. And we actually had an ending, which I was really proud of. Um, we, we got a, a, an official, like not an official, rather, a, a, um, we made up a fake YouTube letter saying that they were going to cancel us because we were doing such a terrible job. Sure. And we got a, a mate of mine to come in and who works for a, a television channel uh, at the time he did anyway in Australia. And he filmed the whole thing and made it look really professional and everything. And after that was over, um, we decided we need to do a podcast because we want to keep working together, keep being creative. Right. Uh, but we also wanted to do something that was a little different because there are so many 
video game podcasts on there, on the internet. And they've all got clever names. And we thought, well, we want to inject some of our own personality and our lives in there. And that's kind of how Game Life Balance came about. Right. And I am guessing that you, and it was the only name that Rob and I could agree on at all. And I kind of thought it was stupid at first, but it really grew on me, um, especially towards the end of the first run, Rob had his baby. Yeah. And then I think you guys came to that same conclusion roughly the same way. You were arguing about names, and I'm guessing that this was one of the only ones you could agree on. That's really true. I mean, we I think we came up with like 30 to 40 names total, and this is definitely the one that we both agreed on. And then we're bummed when we searched, and we're like, oh, that's already taken. But it turned out it all turned out really well for everybody, I yeah, think. Yeah, it, it really did. So Bit Seizure was basically all retro games, and I am a retro gamer, um, and I am a retro game collector, especially since I travel to Japan so much. And uh, we wanted to do, we wanted to get away from retro games so Rob could talk about more contemporary games. Now, I do have a Wii U, and I do love a lot of the games on the Wii U. I love Splatoon, I love Ma Super Mario Maker, which, you know, it's just basically like a, a, a retro game. Uh, sure. Maker, really. And uh, I, I do have the new Doom, and I do play a couple of games here and there, especially with Rob, but I really do like to be anchored back in the past because it's it's so much easier for me. You can pick up and play a retro game, and then you can put it down and just go off and do your own thing. You know, I don't have to be heavily invested into something for hours and hours and hours, which is why I don't play a lot of RPGs, because I'm just so busy doing other things. Yeah, absolutely. I totally, I totally understand that. Now, is your retro game collection, is it taking up a lot of space? Does it take up a lot of space? Did you fill a garage already? With uh, it's funny you should mention a garage, because <laughs> it was all located in one room. And then when we moved into the new house, uh, that room was not big enough, I think it's fair to say. Okay. So I actually... Uh, I, I have a car. I don't really care about my car, what happens to my car. So the car lives outside. And now I just put lots and lots of shelves up in the garage and just filter sure. it all full of all my retro games, my arcade machine, my Vetrex, and like I've got a display with all of the uh, Game Boy, boxed Game Boys with like all the release titles from 1989. And I guarantee your wife appreciates a lot more also that your gaming <laughs> collection is in the garage <laughs> and not taking up an entire room of the house. I guarantee it's, that. It's funny because in the old, it kind of bleeds out sometimes. Like I've still got a little bit of gaming paraphernalia here and there. Like I've got a PlayStation clock, which I made out of like a PlayStation, drilled a okay. hole in it and put like a clock movie. Oh, I, I saw those. I remember seeing those. Mm. And I've got a, um, like a, a Famicom, like which is the Japanese version of the NES, the NES, mm -hmm. uh, like with a Rob and a, like a Japanese modem for that machine. They actually had a modem for that. And I've got it all in a, like a nice display case. See, if it looks good and it's sorted out well and sparsely all over the house, then I think it's okay, but she's starting to catch on. Yeah. Like when she opens her drawer and there's some of, <laughs> some of your old NES games in there, she's probably going to say, I kind of need this room for my clothes. I'm sorry. Which is, which is true, which is why I ended up having to move all of my stuff out. Unfortunately, because I, um, I do have a whole lot of clothes myself, uh, and I have a whole lot of prop clothes and like funny jackets and smoking jackets and stuff like that. I take up like at least half the wardrobe with all of my <laughs> my random stuff. So, Wait, do, do you need multiple joke smoking jackets? Uh, no, but I have like a a nineteen like a uh, it's like a seventeenth century kind of big frocky coat with frilly arms, and I've okay. got uh, the um, 
I've got like a couple of nice Tuesday. That's your Tuesday workout. That's my, it's my Tuesday one. Yes. Um, yes. I've got, it's kind of where I keep all my prop stuff. So I've got, um, Doc's, uh, I've got a, like a lab coat and I've got Doc Brown's shirt that he wore in Back to the Future 2, like the same kind of print on it and stuff like that. So all of that sort of stuff that you only wear very occasionally for particular uh, events, uh, social gatherings, all end up in that wardrobe there. So I've got some... Or Wednesday at work. <laughs> I, I really wish. I've actually got this so bright your Doc Brown outfit. I did, I did wear that last year. It was 2015, so I had such a good excuse to wear that okay. Doc Brown outfit last year. I uh, love it. So I, it, I do still take up lots of bits and pieces because I'm a collector, you know? And um, one of the things that horrified me was I think it was towards the end of Unqualified Gamers, uh, or p- perhaps it was early Game Life Bounds US, is that you it was sold... The very, it was the very last episode it was it was the send-off oh that's right yes. u.s gamers because your wife was um was a guest star in that as well wasn't she she was she was and i was horrified absolutely disgusted <laughs> that you sold off your gaming collection i did and i thought right we got to teach this guy a lesson we're going to give him a nickname and he's going to hate it <laughs> So that's how I got the nickname <laughs> Uncle Stavo. That's, inter- that's interesting. It's not really, but it was kind of, um, at the time I was getting a feel for your personalities and it just sure. seemed to me that you and Rob were basically the same person. And despite the fact that Rob hosts, I am his tormentor, I think it's fair to say. Like I, um, he always tries to catch me out, but I've always got a line coming back at him. It's true. It's, yeah, it's a very similar dynamic yeah. to Cody and myself. So, you know, it really got, is. You've got an antagonist, basically. I'm the antagonist of this I relationship. Do. I have an awful antagonist. Yes, I do. And <laughs> we're gonna, I was going to bring up your relationship with Cody a bit later on. Yeah, but, uh, but I did. I, sold, I, I did sell basically what was my entire, entire collection. And the, the real reason was because we were moving and we were moving houses and i was i was thinking as i was moving this like all of this collection of stuff especially when i was boxing it up for the fourth time that i had boxed it up and then unboxed it at the next location i went to without playing a single game that i had boxed up and unboxed ah. like once i moved it for the fifth time i said this is silly it's silly for me to have this because I've moved five times and I have never actually engaged with any of the stuff that I'm moving. So like, why am I moving it? And we, we were still, we're still at a point where there's kind of a market for some old games. Mm-hmm. I had a couple of, I had a couple of decent rarities that again, I was never going to play again that were worth selling for me. Uh, and you know, I have become such a big PC gamer over the past couple of years. It's pretty much the only thing that I was playing always for the past four or five years. And I was like, well, why don't I just sell all this stuff and just make a new gaming PC because I'm due for one. It's been a while since I've bought one and I just made a really good one. That was what I did with that money. I mean, and I've played a lot more games on the PC than I ever would have played from that collection of games that I sold. So with with your games before, um, did, were you displaying them? Were they like part of, did you have like a gaming room or something where you had all of these up on a nice shelf and you were kind of just saying, oh, look, you know, th- this is my gaming history. This is my gaming past. This is where I came from. Or were they just in a, in a dusty box somewhere which you kept, keep in an attic? No, they, they did get unpacked and displayed on bookshelves um, that went with me. So they did get displayed. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
I was kind of just feeling like I, like they were, they were not serving a purpose to me anymore. And so it was, that was what spurred me to do that. I just, and I, I was, I was tired of moving them. I was tired of moving them around and not using them. Uh, okay. Well, that's, I, I can see that. I mean, especially if you're not a retro gamer uh, and, you know, trying to get rid of a, you know, and if you had some stuff and you didn't, you didn't want to display it and all like, I can kind of understand that, but with it, do you regret it now at all? Like, do you ever just think, Oh, I should have kept that one game or that one console. I, I really don't. If there's, if there's one thing that having a kid has like made me feel it is that it like, honestly, that as much as I love video games, that kind of stuff and having them kind of doesn't matter. Like it is they're They are still very important to me. It is still by far my most primary hobby, but I could live without them if I absolutely had to, you know what I mean? Mm, yeah. So yeah. like I've, 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 I, I, I definitely feel different since like we've had our kid. Uh, kind of about gaming and my gaming habits. Was that straight away, like soon as you had a kid, or was it no. like uh, kind of eventually over the over the couple of years you went, oh, I'm not going to use this, no, I'm not going to play I, this? I wasn't a terrible fan of my kid when he was a baby. He was, you know, because <laughs> they're just babies. They they don't even smile at you when they're babies. They just kind of, I mean, they, they eat. They do a lot of eating. Yeah. They do a lot of pooping. Oh, yeah. And do a lot of cleaning up and and you don't get anything for it but once he you know like right around four or five six months when he started to become really more interactive it's been just like the wildest most awesome ride since then he 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 wasn't very fun he wasn't very fun when he was first born no baby is i don't think no i mean i've got a newborn and uh, she is now or she's seven weeks i think a bit over seven weeks and you love her to death she's really cute but yeah, yeah and, I, would, and, I would I would have done anything for him. I mean, don't oh, get yeah. me wrong. But the, yeah, you're right. They're not very interactive. And I, my brother has had a couple of kids, and I've seen them grow up. Uh, my uh, he's got like a, a one year old at the moment. So for the past year, I was able to see what was coming for my own baby, basically. Yeah. And it's it, it's an interesting process, and I like watching it. But uh, as much as you'll do anything, and they're so cute, all newborns, I think we can agree on this, are pretty much the same. They don't do a lot. They even look basically the same. They look like potatoes. They, they look kind like of do. giant potatoes and go, oh, it looks like you. No, they don't look like me at all. <laughs> it looks like a potato with little eyes. Like a, a cute a potato. Little, but a little alien potato that sleeps a lot. Hmm. Always has its eyes closed. A potato with its eyes closed. I would like it if they did sleep a lot. <laughs> Mine does not settle very well. See, my my daughter doesn't like to be tricked. It turns out she hates having the dummy. She so hates having quite formula. smart. She's quite yes. smart. Okay, which is not a good thing. I'm not like being like a um like like one of those dads that go, oh yes, she's going to go to Harvard and all that kind of stuff. No, she's being a little shit because you can't you can't put it down in the cot and walk away. She'll go, hang on. Where are they? They're not here. Yeah. All right, I'm going to make sure everyone knows about this. Which is the voice I've given my daughter, by the way. She sounds like this in the she's, air. She's got a, she sounds like she's been smoking like a pack a day for the past 40 years. <laughs> she's Which impressive because she hasn't been around that long. No, it's, it's great for like a, 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 a seven-week-old half-Asian baby girl. It's just to make <laughs> her sound as bloody Aussie as possible. You yeah, fucking exactly. drongo. Oops, I swore. Oh, well. I think, I think we'll allow swearing in this. Yeah, why not? It's yeah, it's, it's a side story. The side yeah. story. Nobody cares. So basically, yeah. yeah. Getting back to that, actually, uh, the whole reason I created this is so that if we ever do anything out of sequence, if we ever do something with another friend that you just want to do, you can just say it's Game Life Gaiden, 
sure. put it out there and you can just use that. Any, any of us can use that. It's just a great way to, you know, to, to do extra things if you have the opportunity and it doesn't have to be an official episode. Because... The only other time that I've heard the word Gaiden, other mm. than Ninja Gaiden and now this, this episode, was uh, with Tetris Gaiden which is a game that I don't believe came to... Did it come to America? So the full title is Tetris Battle Gaiden. So Tetris Battle Side Story, yes. I managed to pick up... It's a it's a SNES game, or sorry, right. Super Famicom game it would be. It never exited Japan. It, okay, that's what I thought. Uh, and it is a great... It is my favorite Tetris game. I got it... These things go online for hundreds of dollars now because uh, people on places like Giant Bomb, uh, kind of went out there and said, oh, this is a great game, and then everyone snatched them up online. I managed to find it for 100 yen, which is like a dollar. That's a good price. It's a very good price, and it is just a great Tetris game where you can... It's just normal Tetris, like normal battle Tetris, and then you have these these characters. Uh, you choose a character like Pumpkinhead or Princess Girl or whatever, and they all have different abilities and magical powers which you can store and then usually use it to royally fuck over the person that you're playing against. So and- it's like it was like the original Pokemon Puzzle League or Tetris. What was that Tetris game? Tetris Attack. Tetris Attack. Tetri- oh yeah. Oh it yeah. It was like it was like the original one of those where there was interaction with your with the person you were playing against. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And it's a, it's such a fantastic game. I love that. Uh, but it is if you ever want to get into a fight with your best friend, okay, play that game. I get into fights with my best friend all the time, so this is actually the perfect game for us. So, question: Is Cody your best friend? Or is it that you don't, you don't, how, you know, this is a safe space. If he's not, you know, if you've got someone else. I don't like him. <laughs> Just generally. I'm, I'm not a big fan of Cody. Yeah, I don't have much else to say about him. I'm just not a big fan of him. Uh, that answers my question. I think that if answers his question too. If, he, if he's listening, I think he knows that though. I think he knows that. So I think I'm actually, I, I feel like I'm not going to be uh, be shocking him by what he's going to learn from watching this episode. I think he's going to tear you to pieces next time, but you're just going to sit there and just go, yeah, whatever, whatever. No, I'm going to sit there and go, I know I don't really like you that much, so, but we're going to record this episode. It's going to probably be okay, because like, most of our episodes are okay. Is that why but, you move to like different parts of the world? You just kind of you go, okay, I'm going to draw a line across the United States. You stay in Chicago. I'll stay, I'll stay down here. Up here? Up here. Up here. I'm up. Minnesota? I'm, Are you in Minnesota? Yeah, I'm, I'm in Minnesota. I'm in the, the frozen north of the United States. The, it gets cold up here. Uh, I don't know. I moved up here for my wife. Minnesota's great. It's much better than Chicago um, for me, but I would still live in a warmer place because it gets very cold where I'm at. You say dead of winter. When we say dead of winter, how cold are we talking in Australia where so you're Australia, at? Canberra is like, Australia is a warm place. Um, Canberra is a little different. It does get down to the minus... And this is Celsius. Um, I don't know what it would be in Fahrenheit. It's not like deadly cold or anything, but in comparison to the rest of Australia, it does get a little chilly for people who are out of towners. So here Got it. it'll get down to like minus one, minus two. You know, the, the water will freeze. You know, the puddles outside will freeze. Your car will ice over a little bit. Uh, occasionally it'll get down to like minus eight or minus seven or something like that. 
Sure. Uh, but it doesn't snow here. It might snow once every five years or something like that because it's just, it's such a dry climate that there's, the snow does just not happen here. But I'm guessing it snows all the time where you are. And that's probably a warm summer day, minus two, minus three. Well, yeah. I mean, not a warm summer day. That would be awful if that was a warm summer day. (laughs) I couldn't live here if that was a warm summer day. No, I'd say we probably get like, I was trying to do the math in my head, but probably like negative 10, negative 15 Celsius on a normal day in like the winterest of winter. That's like, yeah, that's a normal day. And that would probably kill me. And then it can get colder than that. So like I've seen, again, I'm trying to do the math in my head, but I'd, probably minus 20 Celsius is like, like we always get that every year, at least one day, something that cold. And it's really cold. And like, I wouldn't like to have that for the rest of my life. I can tell you that. But for <laughs> right now, it's, it's doable. It's manageable. Do you want to move somewhere else? Like you, you kind of looking at some of the, the more central states and going, oh, maybe I could kind of move down there a little bit or something. I could move someplace where it gets like 115 degrees Fahrenheit, which is very hot. I could move somewhere that in a heartbeat and just sit in the <laughs> sun. I was not meant for cold weather. So like I picked totally wrong. I picked totally wrong for my life. My life. I will say though, like the worst part, honestly, about the whole thing is that you can't really take your kids outside. And yeah, so that must be terrible. And so, there's some like cabin fever staying in the house the whole day. And, you know, Max has not really liked that either in the past because children really like to go outside in my experience. So winters can be tough from a parental perspective. Have you given him video games yet? Have you sat him down and say, here, play with this controller that's not plugged in while daddy does this? And have you introduced him to the to some sort of gaming or something like on the iPad or? So not so much gaming, um, but definitely screens. Um, you know, when Apple had first debuted all of their touchscreen stuff and how one of the main uh, selling point, one of the main selling points of Apple products, right, are that anybody can use them. Like you can give them to your 80 year old grandma. Grandma will find a way to pull up a video. It might be an inappropriate video, but grandma's going to pull up a video. <laughs> I think she meant to touch do that. Screen, on this touch, she probably did. Uh, on this touchscreen device, though, and like she's going to be able to do it and it's going to be relatively intuitive, very intuitive, actually. Yeah. That was the whole selling point. My son can close applications, swipe around open folders and then open YouTube to find Elmo videos on the iPad. (laughs) Oh no. Yeah. And he could do that at about age two. Wow. So it, it is, it is terrifying like how quickly they learn how to do that kind of stuff and use this kind of technology. Um, But we have not done like actual gaming yet in terms of electronic gaming, just lots of different games that he plays with his toys. I don't know how to introduce it. I haven't really done the research on like, what's a good way to introduce video games to your kid? Like Grand Theft Auto? Like, do we just sit down and play through Grand Theft Auto 4? Because This is what's called a hooker. Can you say the word hookers? <laughs> because we could, and I could show him how to beat hookers in a car. But I feel, <laughs> I feel like he should be a little older for that, like maybe eight or nine. So like, I feel like I need to stick with maybe something a little, a little more casual, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like, I, I don't know. We're, I'm going to have to do some reading. I'm going to have to do some reading as to like, what's the best way to introduce. Do I start with Nintendo games? Because I don't have any of them. I'm going to have to go buy them if we do. So um, I could always use ammunition. I'm just kidding. But yeah, like, do I start with 8-bit stuff? Do I start with 16-bit stuff? Or do we jump into the deep end again with Grand Theft Auto? (laughs) 
I like I how Game Theft Auto is always the go-to game for introducing children to the wonderful world of video games. That's right. That's right. It's the only game anybody ever ever plays. Everybody plays Grand Theft Auto. Everybody plays that game. Oh, yeah. I don't play Even that I game. Even I played that. So, what, Did you? I don't play that game, but everybody plays that game. So. <laughs> so I was introduced to Grand Theft Auto Vice City. Uh, being, I, I love the 80s. I love 80s music. I love 80s culture. So Vice City, which was set in the 80s in a Miami-like In Miami. Setting. Yeah. And uh, all my friend and I would do, he'd already played through all the story missions. So we would just try and get as many stars as we could. And uh, on the PC, you can import your own MP3s. So as well as listening to all the radio stations, we just had the Benny your Hill playlists. theme. Yeah. Just the Benny Hill theme on a loop. And so we were just listening to Yakety Sax. And we were just running down people and trying to escape from the cops. That sounds all right. So what about your daughter? Is she beating your butt in, in Mario Kart yet? Uh, she she's doesn't to. register colors yet, as far as I can tell. But the good you thing about being a retro gamer is that I've got all of these really solid controllers which she can put in her mouth. I wouldn't recommend putting my controllers in your mouth, but she's not going to break them. She's not going to swallow bits of them. You know, they're, they're incredibly well-made things that, uh, you know, she can sit there, watch Daddy play and, like, pretend she's playing or something. And, you know, I don't think she's going to become a psychopath from watching me play Super Mario Brothers. Although if she did, I reckon we could get a TV show out of it. It's tough to say. I mean, who... <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. Actually, it, it's a bit of a worry. I saw some rather not-so-good mushrooms growing out in the front garden, so I might need to... To make sure there's no there's, there's no kind of weird looking things out the front that you might go oh I'm going to be like the Super Mario Man eat a mushroom and then be horribly violently ill or hallucinate. I mean, if she immediately started walking and she's only seven weeks old, that would be a pretty good indicator. I think. <laughs> I did say she was smart. That's <laughs> well, awesome, awesome. You know, I I when I was younger, I definitely valued that collection. Like going back to the collect the the collecting thing. Hmm. Um, and I, when I had time, like when I was somebody in school still without a job and I had time, I really did play a lot of those games, those old games, and it was awesome. Um, so I totally get it. I totally get the, the collecting aspect of video games. Hmm. Now I feel like I'm collecting a digital library of video games because I have so many games on Steam. That, do, are now collecting, that are now collecting. Do you collecting play them though? Like, do you, have you played all of those games at least once? Or did you go, no, my, oh, Steam sale, I got to get that in case I want to play it later on. No, my awful collecting habits have just translated to a non-physical <laughs> version of goods. So now I have 400 Steam games and I've probably played 50 of them. Maybe, mm. maybe 50. So like, that's a problem now. It's, you, so you've basically just transferred to a new vice, which is actually right. the same as the old vice. Right, but my wife can't see it accumulate. See, it's actually the perfect it's the perfect plan. She has no idea. I think we're gonna have to show her your credit card bill. Yeah, she can see it. It's fine, she knows. <laughs> so I mean the thing the reason I like collecting physical media is because there's something tangible about it, as well as the the display. It's not something that can be taken away from you if Steam one day goes down or they decide that, oh, we want this game back. We'll credit you, you know, this amount of money. Right. But it can be taken away. Whereas the physical games, I will have them. And I'm sure at one stage I will go through something similar to what you've gone through. I'll go through my collection and go, 
look, I am not going to play this Japanese RPG I bought for a dollar on a whim. I'll probably collect all of those sorts of games that I don't play and never would play. And I probably would sell them off. But there are certainly some things in my collection which I would really like to keep. And I'd, I'd always like to have some sort of collection which I could play through because I think the reason, one of the reasons I became a retro gamer, because I, I fell off the game's bandwagon for a while. Like I wasn't, when I was in Japan, I wasn't playing a whole lot of games. I played them with my friends and stuff like that, but I wouldn't really go out and try and, and, and uh, you know, look for them in any right. meaningful form. Because my, my friend who I lived with, who was a massive gamer, uh, if I wanted to play games, I'd just play with him. You know, we'd play together. It was a very much a social experience. But sure. getting back into games, retro games, for the most part, are so much easier to me. Like, uh, I play the new games and they've all got, like, lots of shoulder buttons and everything. And I just go, oh, it's a bit too complicated for me. I just go play my little 2D platformers and I have a ball. Now, how do you feel about, like, the academic aspect of it like the collecting for preservation's sake like do you have any or do you have any value in that or is yours mostly from a from like a purely i want to just play these games like these are games i actually want to play i think it's a bit of both some of them especially living in a pal region uh which is different you guys use ntsc i use pal Oh, sorry. These, are words that, these are words that mean nothing to me. Okay, so NTSC is the video signal uh, which Americans use, which is uh, about um, 20... Usually, uh, it runs faster, so 29.97 frames a second. PAL uses only 25... 24 frames a second, including zero would be 25. We're and, talking about, like, Nintendo and Super Nintendo games right now, right? Yep. Okay. So our games run a bit slower. It's, Got it. Uh, and some games were released differently uh, according to different regions. Like, we got some games. Like, I've got some un unlicensed right. NES games where you actually have to put a, a proper Nintendo cartridge, piggyback it onto one of these unlicensed cartridges, and then put it into the machine so it bypasses the lockout chip. Wow. Okay. Uh, and just games like that. So there is a bit of preservation from that point of view where we just get these, sometimes you just come across this bizarre sort of thing and you go, who would need uh, a Famicom modem? Who, like, who in the 80s in Japan was going, I need to get onto this place called Online, which I've never heard of, to trade stocks. So I'll put it into my family computer. I yeah, I mean, they, pro things. they probably sold a thousand of them and they probably, they probably never served a purpose for anybody. You, know? you, could, you could get, yeah, you could trade stocks and they would have news and weather on them. You could not play online gaming on them back then. Right. But I have one of those things. I even have like the stock booklet that comes with it. So there's, there's definitely some preservation involved in there. I think it's fair to say. Um, but there is also the, the collectiveness of it, the display. And of course, I love playing these old games. I've played every retro game that I own. I haven't, certainly haven't played them to completion. And some of them I'll only play for like 10 minutes and go, this, this is, is a really bad game. Yeah. It's really bad. Yeah. And when we were doing the video series, it's like, oh, we can talk about this. Like we can do a video about this and say how bad it is. Uh, but I've been buying less of those sorts of games now that I've finished with the um, with the video series because I can't justify it to myself right. in the same way I used to be able to, and it's getting more expensive as well. Sure, uh, there is a, a large a large market. There's a large group of people that are now collecting 
retro type games. So I know that that market has exploded quite a bit. Um, so what are you playing right now? Uh, at the moment, if I, anything. yeah, I'm not really playing a lot. But what I did get, uh, I did actually do a video uh, for uh, the Game Life Balance Australia YouTube account, uh, which is a, which is about the Vetrex. Do you know what a Vetrex is? I don't. The Vetrex was uh, released by Milton Bradley, which was a little television, black and white television set that uh, used cartridges and vector-based graphics. So it was kind of like a, a really mini arcade for the home. And it uh, instead of having like a television screen in a landscape mode, it was in portrait mode. So it was kind of standing up, like a longer video screen. You sure. put cartridges in the side and it's got kind of like a really big controller where you can play vector-based games like uh, Asteroids, popular vector-based games. And those, those really early Star Wars arcade games, which they used to have. And did this come out during the console wars of the 80s where like there were 8,000 systems? Was this one of those 8,000 systems? Yeah, this came out in 1982, I do okay. believe. So it was, it was not a commercial success. Only 28 games came out of it. But there's just something about the vector graphics which, and, and just the system with like a television built into it. It was just such a, an interesting piece of technology. I came across one for, um, I mean, th these things are very, very expensive now. Uh, so I decided to do a video on that. And then coincidentally, the very next day, someone was selling a couple of games in Canberra for it. And these never come up. So I went out and I, I picked myself up another couple of Vectrex games and just had a good night, you know, and they're not complicated games. They're very easy games, sure. just kind of shooters and stuff like that. But it's just fun. Like just that, that point scoring, uh, really tactile sensation of playing something on an old system, which had its monitor included. Yeah. And that was what I've been playing recently. But as far as like really getting into a um like a more in-depth retro game, I have purchased Castlevania Symphony of the Night. I have not started playing it yet. So what do you classify as retro? Like is PlayStation retro now? What's your criteria? You see, that was a question that I was asking myself for quite a while because I was kind of going back and forth on, you know, like there, is, there are purists who say anything from the 80s and, and before, you know, just 8-bit basically, you know, like the, okay. the Atari and everything. And I think the cutoff for me is the year 2000. So the Dreamcast would be the, the, the very latest in terms of retro gaming, you know, it's a defunct company and they, you know, you can, there are some games on there that certainly have a very different look about them now. Yes. And I think anything beyond that is not retro, but you know, we're getting people who were born in the nineties, grew up with like the PlayStation two. And now that, you know, they're on the PlayStation four and they're going, yeah, that's retro now. And I can see right. their point of view there as well. Like it's, I think it's a matter of perspective, but for me, the year 2000, like at the end of the, the 20th century is probably. Isn't that goal line going to keep moving? It's going to keep, it's going to keep moving. So in 10 years, PlayStation two is going to be your new retro console. And you're going to be waxing poetic and reminiscing about all these awesome PlayStation two games. <laughs> That's already started to kind of happen. <laughs> See, there I, you go. It's because I, people like, because people know about my hobbies, sometimes people will gift me these things. So I was sure. gifted a PlayStation 2, which was really nice. 
And then I wasn't actively looking for PlayStation 2 games. But sometimes I go, oh, yeah, I've heard about that game. I heard it's pretty good, so I might buy that one. But uh, yeah, even with the new games that you get on Steam, and I, I've I've only got a few games on Steam. I um, I certainly tend to gravitate towards the kind of pixel art games, sure, stuff like that, like um, like Broforce, which is something which we did on our last podcast, which is a, a pretty awesome throwback to those uh, '80s action movies and heroes and stuff like that. It is. It's a Great, great it's, game. It's very Arnold Schwarzenegger inspired, for sure. Very much so, yeah. I love yeah. it. The, the whole game is utterly ridiculous. So we, when we first made contact with you, um, like we were just talking to Cody, and I watched, uh, other than the fact that you were basically Rob's counterpart, I was very much like, oh, this guy seems very unflappable. He takes whatever Cody says, he turns it back on him. So I think that's where the the genus of the idea of of trying to torment you came in as well. So I think the original idea was that because uh, we'd been talking to Cody, we didn't know you at all. It's like, oh, we'll, we'll we'll try and we'll try and get under his skin a little bit, so he he mentions us also. To, sure. To find out what his reaction would be. So while we were making our first video, we were trying. I just off the cuff, completely off the cuff. I think I called you Uncle Stabo, and it made Rob laugh so hard that we had to do another take. So I think we may have ended up using the first take, but we ended up doing in the, when we came back from our sabbatical after Rob had his baby and became Game Life Balance Australia in the first video for YouTube, we actually said uh, your name as Jonathan Uncle Stabo Martin. I don't know where it came from. I think in the Simpsons, there was some guy called Johnny Stabo, like some movie that Marge was watching in one of the really later episodes or something like that. But I honestly don't think I'd even seen that episode then. So I think it was just something that I pulled out of my ass. I think and- it's a very flattering nickname. I actually, I will take it. I will, I, I take it willingly. I think it's great. I often refer to myself as Uncle Stabo. My wife doesn't like, doesn't like that, but you know, <laughs> it's a good, it's a good nickname. It's a good nickname. It was, it just sounded so Australian because we were, we were I think. sound Australian. There's, there's something we were trying to play up the Australianness a bit because we'd already done our own series called Game Life Balance. So we wanted, and since you guys were, were coming on board, we wanted to differentiate the two a little bit. And I think we've kind of given up doing that now because people keep saying we need to be more Australian and, and Rob and I just go, oh, fuck ease, mate. What do you think I am? Some fucking bogan. Well, you do, you, the, the stuff when you do concentrate on the craziness that is Australia, it is super fascinating to those of us that don't live in Australia. Like when you talked as long as you did about fire tornadoes. That was, that was another one of those things that, uh, like Rob and I have a basic outline for the, for the show. Our basic outline is what featured game are we going to talk about? Yeah. That's about it. And so that was very much off the cuff. And that was one of our most popular episodes. I think we got a whole lot more Twitter followers and, and subscribers and stuff like that. Just because we were going on about fire tornadoes. And it was. That seems like a place that you wouldn't want to be, <laughs> knowing that there are fire tornadoes there. It only happened once, maybe twice. <laughs> it was that, I mean, that, that fire in Canberra was absolutely devastating it was just before i went to japan as well so it was um so yeah it wasn't a place that i wanted to live directly after and i kind of got out of town and you didn't so that good for you (laughs) it's yeah and and like we 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 try and if we do talk about australia i think we prefer to talk about it in the in the truer terms rather than that that's not a knife this is a knife sort of terms 
And, and, and it's interesting because we don't always know what's fascinating to other people because we live here, you know? It's like we, right. we took my mother-in-law back to the airport and we just happened to be going past a whole bunch of fields and they had hundreds and hundreds of kangaroos in it. And my, um, my mother-in-law just lost her shit. She just went, meet the, meet the, meet the kangaroo, kangaroo, kangaroo. She was like saying kangaroo to almost every kangaroo that was bounding past. And we could just go and shrugging herself going, yeah, they, that happens a lot in Australia. There's plenty of kangaroos out there. In fact, in Canberra, and you've got to remember that Canberra is the capital city of Australia often known as the bush capital, we have so many kangaroos that every couple of years we actually have to cull them. You cull the kangaroos? We have to cull the kangaroos, which is not something you should really do to your native symbol. <laughs> like, like, there's a few too many bald eagles, let's shoot them out of the sky. You probably shouldn't do that. That would not happen in America, I'm guessing. In Canberra, no, actually, oh, Americans God. try to shoot everything. So. <laughs> I thought that was the one thing they didn't try and shoot. No, I mean, they will shoot everything. <laughs> <laughs> they just won't tell you that they shot that, but they they will shoot everything here in America. That is what that's what we do. I, I that sounds so crazy to me. Like I, I, I sometimes you see American culture being exaggerated, and then we hear stories and going, "Oh, bugger me! That is that actually true? Does that is that a yeah. thing?" Yeah, no, it, it is. Most of it is really true. The answer to your question is basically everything about. Your crazy country is fascinating to those of you, to those of us that don't live in your crazy country. So, um, yeah, anytime you talk about it, somebody, I promise you, somebody is listening to it with interest. Um, we got to we got to strike up that that careful balance because a lot of our the people who do listen to it are Australians as well. So, it's 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 cool to talk about that sort of stuff. But you know, you know, people who already live here just go, why are they talking about Australia again? Don't they? So, don't you have issues there with internet, like costing more? Kind of. So, I live in a new place. Uh, We are the first people to live in this house, Uh, and we tried to set up the the previous government, the the left wing government, tried to set up something called the NBN, the National Broadband Network. When the conservatives came into power, they tried to scale back how they were going to use it. Instead of having fiber everywhere, they were going to have fiber across the telegraph poles and in the tunnels, but have copper to the house. And there are some internet plans which will, um, you know, you're only allowed 50 gig a month or 100 gig a month. However, my house was built uh, in a time when we did have fiber to the premises. So we actually have a fiber connection. We got unlimited, which costs us about like a hundred bucks a month or something like that for the top tier. Uh, and now I don't even think about it. <laughs> okay. It's one of those things, but there are some people who, especially who live in, in regional, who live in uh, rural areas in Australia who get right. terrible internet and only can only have access to like satellite internet and stuff like that, which right. is patchy. And I'm sure it's incredibly expensive as well. Incredibly, yeah, I, yeah. America is kind of the same way people in rural areas also have difficult times with internet. I just thought it was basically all pay for pay per gigabyte type. There are in a lot of that, but um, there are some, there are some companies which do it who piggyback basically off uh, the main uh, network owner, which is Telstra which would be like uh, AT&T for you guys, I guess. Sure. Uh, and, you know, because for they can't own everything, 
although they own it uh, due to competition laws in Australia, other people can piggyback off it. So if you go to one of the, um, the companies piggybacking off, you might get a slightly lower speed. But if you are one of those lucky people that have the, the pure NBN, then it doesn't matter so much. You just you pay a, a bit of a premium for your internet and your download speeds and everything like that. But after it's all set up and you've taken it into account in your budget, it's fine. This is much less interesting. I thought you were going to tell me it's $900 a week. <laughs> if that was the case, I would it's, move. But that would be a deal breaker, I reckon. I reckon that would be the deal breaker with me in Australia. I'd go, not time to put my kimono back on and go back to Japan. That's right. Okay, awesome. So so we, we've been calling you Uncle Stabo, and you, you've taken it in good grace, and occasionally we'll, we'll just take a dig at you. On the just like I think I, I brought up the fact that you never smiled, but and I'm guessing that was because you just were talking to Cody. Yeah, all the I time and you had I no reason. Generally, smile. don't smile when we talk. And we were trying to do all of these things just to see if we could get some sort of reaction because you seem so unflappable. But did you ever just <laughs> did you ever just sit there and just shake your head and go, "Those idiots, those bloody Australians." No, because I'm so enchanted uh, with like the sounds of your voice when you talk because of your <laughs> accents that I would, it sounds, it sounds so smooth coming out of your mouth that I can't, no, it is, it all, wa it washes over me has what it does. Has Cody ever gotten under your skin yes. so much that you've just told him just to shut the fuck up? How, maybe not. What did he do? What did he do? Maybe not. I don't remember. I, I don't have specifics at all. But if you actually watch our episodes, there are times where I will, I will like, there are times where I will step away from the computer, where I will take my <laughs> headphones out and I will step up. I will step away from the computer because of either some awful joke that he said or just some ridiculous thing that he said. And that's genuine. That is a genuine reaction is me like, I can't even handle you at the moment. And I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave the vicinity of your presence because I can't handle it at the moment. So I've seen yeah, you roll your eyes so hard that they almost popped out of their sockets. Sometimes you just go, Ugh. sometimes watching you sit there listening to what Cody's saying, because you, you feed him these like obviously false pieces of information and he just incorporates them into his story and it gets more and more ridiculous. And he makes some terrible, terrible punny joke and you just go, yeah, yeah that's pretty much how, and those are the, those are the times that if it is, if, if you're talking about getting under my skin that like, it does not like actually aggravate me, but it's it's more like I can't believe people find you funny. Is generally actually what I'm thinking at those times. Did you ever try and just take over from Cody and just go? Maybe I should uh, do the honors this week, and maybe no, because I'm too lazy. <laughs> no, I'm too lazy. I'm too lazy. I require him to do all of the work. It works very well. That's that's the good thing about not being the host. Like like because Rob hosts. Um, you know, basically, he's going to be the showrunner now, which means he has to do the editing. And that is the one part. I'm happy to do the writing. I'm happy to do the pre-show stuff. I'm happy to set everything up with the equipment. But as soon right. as we finish recording and we have to edit, I just, my brain just Your eyes glaze over. Mush. And I think so editing is just so hard. Anytime anything has to be done uh, but recording, um, I just get overwhelmed. So basically... 
I can't do anything is what I'm trying to say. So even if you took over the show, he could edit it. So, oh, yeah, um, I would like John wasn't in this him. episode much. I would uh, sorry about that. require him. I would require him to edit the show if I took over the show. <laughs> that is how that would work. So He's got you over a barrel there, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But do you guys have like big... Uh, like uh, like meetings before you do the show each show like do you or do you just like go let's talk about this week this this week and what I did here and then you just go live to where you know we have done both so we have set we have like a shared a shared document that we have in like Google hmm. and we're, we can update that kind of at will um, but a lot of our shows are really just hey let's hit these three points and then we just kind of go. Um, we have known each other for, I believe probably as long as you and Rob have, which explains why you have such a great rapport with each other when you're mm -hmm. on, like when you're talking on the show, because you know, we've known each other for 24 years and I'm not that, I'm not that old. Uh, and so <laughs> you guys are a little bit younger than we are. I think you're like four years behind, like Rob and I are both 81 and you are 85, I think. Yeah, I am 85 years old. That is right. <laughs> four, four years ahead of you. Uh, yeah, looking that's right. good for an eighty-one-year-old. <laughs> I am. It's. I think it's all the supplements that I take. Um, yeah. We're, so we were born in eighty-five, um, hmm. but we've known each other for I probably as long as you and Rob have. Um, yeah, so Rob and I met each other in grade two or three. I think it was grade three. But the, that was the same school, time. cooling system works a little weirdly sometimes. But yeah, basically, when Rob and I were seven or eight, we met and. We we were like fast friends throughout primary school. We went to different high schools and I kind of moved around the country a bit. But we were always kind of connected. Like, you know, we'd, we'd call in, check in with each other every now and again. And then when we were doing year 11 and 12, we were back in the same school and then we became friends again. In fact, he gave me my nickname AC because there were so many damn Andrews. Right. And that's where the nickname comes from. And then uh, we were in the same university. I did media production, like television stuff. And he did like a minor in that and majored in television, uh, sorry, in creative writing. And I minored in creative writing. So we did, we had a whole lot of classes at the same time. And so we got back into that creative sort of uh, throws again. And we did a whole bunch of stuff together in university. And then university finished and I left the country. <laughs> For a while, but then you came back, and then but that explains that explains your rapport, that explains your ability in production as well, I suppose, because mm. Rob does a very good job with your episodes. Yeah, he um, does. yeah. Well, we've had the same like the same thing where we have we even went to the same we went to the same school all the way through all of our elementary, middle, and high schooling. We actually even went to the same college. Uh, was was Cody then, always like that? Did he always, always have that personality? He's literally always had that personality. It only gets and it only gets worse. It only gets worse. He has not changed a bit. He's literally always been that way. It's great. Um, Which is then, funny because that is exactly what Rob says about me. Is that you have always been that way? I can I've always that. been the same way. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that you've always been out to make him miserable. No, that's great. That's great. Uh, <laughs> so. So, and then we split up once I went to grad school and Cody went to, uh, I think that was when he went to work for Starbucks. Like, as a you went to grad school and got a, you know, you got a, got a real qualification. And I think he, he actually Starbucks. worked at Starbucks immediately following college for a while. See, I, I didn't even think he worked there. I just think he went to Starbucks. Just kind of he might have. <laughs> sit up a laptop have. on a table and pretended he was a writer for a good three years. 
you know that that's probably going to burn him a little bit because <laughs> he definitely has aspired to be like a creative writer like on the side so yeah no there's some truth to that there's some absolute truth to that has he ever been one of those people to actually sit in a starbucks with a laptop and just sit there typing and going i'm a writer i don't know i i really i can't i couldn't tell you maybe maybe i could see him doing that uh but then we just you know when we were when we finally separated like that and i finished school um we were we got together one time and we were like, we should do something to one, keep up, keep up our like friendship just so we get an opportunity to see each other again. Uh, and two to like do something creative because he, I would, I would say he's probably a much more creative person than I am. Hmm. Um, so he was probably feeling that itch more than I was, but I've always kind of wanted to do something like a podcast. And that was where game, that was where, um, us gamer or, Unqualified, unqualified gamers? Unqualified gamers. That was where unqualified gamers was born, right? And and it was just an excuse for us to get together and talk about video games, which we were both playing a ton at the time. Hmm. So it was great. I mean it was it was a great way to keep in touch. It it is such a it's it is such a a, a good thing to be creative as well. Because I got that same itch that Cody has where I need to do something other than just collect and play games. I need to be able to express myself somehow. And I've noticed that if I do not have some sort of outlet, the outlets which I do tend to use are not very healthy. Uh, like when I was in Japan and I was working as a teacher by myself uh, in schools where there were no other English speakers, it was just me. And I would, you know, talk to the, um, I would certainly talk to the other teachers in a bit of Japanese and stuff, but I wasn't having any substantial conversations for days and days on end. And I felt... I just I felt very isolated. And I, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna be creative. I am going to do my own comic strip. So I did something called torture hammock, and torture hammock was basically what I did between classes. I, mean, I would just put, pick a random, just a random phrase or random something or random English word which I saw, and I would draw the first thing that came into my head in 15 minutes. And it was always about this guy called Thaddeus who horribly murdered everyone else. Is this published somewhere online? Can it I go is see your web online. so I, I can see your web comment? I just need to look up. I just need to look up torture hammock and I'll find it. I, I can Google torture, torture hammock comic. Yes, uh, that would. I don't know if it's still up there, but I ended up actually. Um, I think my best comic was about the grandfather paradox, where this guy creates a time machine uh, to test the theory of going back in time and killing his grandfather, right, to see what would happen. So uh, this guy Thaddeus creates the time machine, just get, picks a random person off the off the street, and these are all stick figures. Goes back in time, but only goes back in time ten minutes, and just shoots his grandfather. <laughs> and his companion just goes, "I think you meant to go back more than ten minutes," and then he shoots his companion. And to me, that I'm is have to look this up. the pinnacle of of humor. Uh, I I really I really don't know if it's still up there, but um, I ended up compiling all of these scanning them all in, writing commentary under every uh, under every strip, and there were about 100, 100 strips or something like that, compiled them into a book, and there's this place in Japan called Tako Shed, which, uh, which basically... The taco, the taco Shed, they sell tacos. <laughs> well, Tako is actually... I, you know, they used they may have sold tacos there, and that's maybe where they got the name from, but they're like a, an independent... 
uh, bookstore which just will sell whatever is in there. So I made like five copies of this book, put it mm-hmm. in there so I could say to myself, yeah, I'm, you know, torture having... I'm a published, I'm a published author. Yeah, I'm published. self-published. I put it, it's for sale in a store. And basically exactly. I made all of my friends go there and buy a copy. So and that was when, your most successful, that was probably your most successful creative venture, right? <laughs> Actual sold copies of a work. I mean, it's perfect. God knows yeah. we don't make anything off this, so it's no that that yeah. Now that you say off of torture hammock, it probably was like financially the most successful. And there were people coming here for my wedding, and I was forcing them to go to this store in Nakano Broadway, which is mostly known for its anime uh, merchandising stores. And I was like, basically saying, "Come on, buy this book, buy this book." And it's still in some of my friends' bookcases. Too. Look at this. This so, artist This artist knows what he's doing. Oh, you found it, have you? It's, is it no, still I'm there? Just, I'm sure, maybe. I'm going to look for it later, though. Absolutely. Uh, oh, it is still there. I just, I just punched it in. Uh, and, yep, it, it's there. Wow. Uh, but, yeah, it, 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 it was one of those things that had a beginning, a middle, and an end. And it was just a horrible creative venture. And that's where I learned enough about myself to know that if I need to be creative, it's probably best that if I do it with someone who will keep me under some sort of control. <laughs> because otherwise things tend to get out of hand. And I think I'm doing a, a fantastic job. And then I go back and read this stuff later. Like I, I read, reread Torture Hammock a couple of years ago. And I was cacking myself. I was laughing so hard at my own material, but I was also seeing... <laughs> like as you do, that this was like possibly one of the worst things I'd ever done. But it was because it was such a strange and odd time in my life where I wasn't living, I was living with my fiance um, who wasn't fluent in English at the time, but she was, she was very good at English, but wasn't fluent. Right. So it was this very, very odd sort of mix of just of isolation, uh, but also trying to, express myself in a comedic way and that's how it came out so yeah it it is good being creative i really really do love just being able to just jump on and that's why game life guidance is uh, it was a good idea for me because all you need for a podcast is a working microphone and like i and you know maybe another person and then you can just go yeah yeah you're interesting let's do this let's just speak into a microphone for a while and we'll call that content and I think I have hoodwinked you because I am not that interesting. <laughs> so. Oh, I think you are. I think you'll listen back to this podcast because I've seen you. You're so much more expressive and emotive because you don't, we've never talked before. This is actually the first time you and I have, have talked uh, person to person, so to speak. I've never even talked to Cody, although I feel like I know you guys quite well through the podcast. You one, you don't want to talk to Cody. Two, <laughs> you know that you are enough like Cody that you probably don't need to talk to him, right? So that is a scary prospect of doing a podcast with him because that shit will, will never end. It'll just be me and him just going ra 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 ra. Oh man, aren't those co-hosts? Oh man, oh yeah, geez, oh. And we'd just keep going and going and going, and it would be one giant pat on the back wank fest. It would be. That's absolutely what it would be. Uh, he would probably talk more about how great he was, though. He does that a lot. He, yeah, he does that a lot. I, I will do a podcast. I just, I'm, I'm fascinated to see what will happen. But 
because he's so busy and I'm so busy, like lining those sorts of times up is actually really tricky. Like I think originally you and I were planning to do this and, and uh, my original plan was let's just sneak this out here before I come back from my uh, sabbatical from my like four week break or two month right. break, whatever it was. And that would really annoy Rob. Uh, the way this is going, like our next podcast comes out on Tuesday and I think I'll just rip the audio from this and put it up there. So this still might come out just before the podcast where I go back and that would probably annoy Rob. I'll need to listen to, I need to listen to Rob's reaction to that. Once he finds out what happened, I could, I sh you know what I should do? I am actually seeing him tonight. Cause I've got to I've got to record some more uh, stupid and Skyrim content, which I haven't done in ages. Uh, so I might actually like just go there with my phone and just like maybe surreptitiously record him to go to the site now and see what's up there. But that would involve me trying to actually rip the audio and put it all up and put it all out there before like uh, seven o'clock tonight. So time's ticking and running out for me, I suppose. But uh, about your latest podcast, I made it my business to watch it last night before everything went dark uh, and, yeah. um, you know, lightning basically struck your house set everything on fire it may have i don't <laughs> think it set anything on fire i haven't taken a good look around that, you, that might be a good idea but uh, it you was, know, if it's raining i'm sure it would have been put out but yeah yeah we did just put up another podcast and you were talking about board games and i that was the one thing i did uh, like I, I actually wrote a whole bunch of notes here of like stuff to talk about that uh, i just wanted to touch on uh, not that i thought we'd not have enough things to say, but things that I was genuinely interested to know about you. Sure. Uh, and you were mentioning that you went to Gen Con. Was that what it was called? Board games? That's what it was called. Yep. Mm. So I was just really interested to know what your favorite board game is. That's, that's not even, so for me, that's not even a hard question um, at all. Uh, it's the game is called Twilight Imperium. Mm -hmm. It's a game. It's a game that's published by a company called Fantasy Flight, uh, which is a huge board game publisher. They publish many games, and the game is a. It's basically a four X space game. So everybody takes the role of a um, of a different alien race. It's it's completely asymmetric. So each alien race uh, has totally different racial powers that do vastly different things, and then they get put on this game board. Um, where they have to explore and collect resources and things and objectives will come up that you have to complete. You get points for the objectives. Um, and want the first person to like a certain number of points wins. Um, and then there is a, it's hex based. So there's a bunch of hexes hmm. on the board. And then there's a big hex in the middle. That's called Mechatol Rex. It's the, it's this giant planet where like the, the head government of the entire galaxy is located. So it has a lot of influence on it. Uh, when you take it, and oftentimes there are objectives that involve Mechatol Rex. And so it's like this big, hotly contested middle of the board. And generally this game, for us, when I played it the most, was played with six people. Mm -hmm. So there was a lot of contesting towards that center of that board, which ah. makes, makes it a super interesting game. Yeah. Um, but so you can reason... form alliances and stuff like that. You can kind of oh, yeah, absolutely. have a couple of side deals with this guy and maybe have something going on over here and then horribly betray each other by the end. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. The thing about the game, one of the big things about the game that that made it so good for me was that the game lasts anywhere from probably 8 to 12 hours, sometimes even longer than that. It's an incredibly long board game. And while it is not realistic to play that game at all anymore mm. in my life, 
Um, I was playing it the most when I was in pharmacy school and I met a group of, of guys that were unrelated to pharmacy school, um, just at like a board game shop. And over the course of the next three years, the guy, the, the main guy invited me to his house, uh, multiple times and had basically migrated those people from this board game shop that he liked the most to come to his house and play board games there. And he is the most avid board gamer that I know. And we probably played Twilight Imperium close to 50 to a hundred times over the course of my pharmacy school. And it's, it's eight that was hours how, a game. Yeah. That was wow. how frequently we were able to play that game. And most people, most people feel lucky when they get one or two plays of that game a year. Hmm. Right. And we were getting it almost on a, on a, every single weekend basis for a while. And it was, it was amazing. So when you're spending that much time with people and you're sharing that interest that hard um, and that profoundly, like it's really hard not to become really close to those people. And then also not have a deep sense of nostalgia for that time. So like that game for me is, will always be the best game that like I've ever played always. And, and not only because it's a great game to play, but just because I have all those nostalgic, feelings for it see i was kind of i just find that fascinating because those sorts of games uh, i only going kind of got into board games fairly recently i suppose it's fair to say uh and i'd heard of them and there are certain gateway games like uh a lot of my friends really got into them and one of my friends in particular the best man at my wedding who lives in japan the guy i went over there with also called andrew we call him elchan though he, How many people in Australia are named Andrew? Sorry, just as an aside. How no, many of you all are of us. there? All, all, all of us. All, all of us or Andrina, I suppose, if they're girls. Is, is Rob's first name Andrew? Is Rob his middle name? Uh, Rob actually has three is middle it? names, but yeah, Rob's one of them. Yeah, It's, it's Andrew Rob. Andrew, okay. Rob, Greg, Jeffrey, I think, Leotard, Bailey. I think Leotard. He's got like two middle names or something. I don't know. Three middle Leotard. names. Leotard's an unfortunate middle name. <laughs> I think it's actually Lied or something like okay. that. Okay. So anyway, I, he's just going to be listening to this and he's just going to want to thump me. I, dig- I digress. So what? Uh, um, so you were just gotten into board games. Yeah. Uh, but basically my, my friend in Japan always buys, he's just got a massive cupboard full of board games. And, and they take a lot of space. They take a lot of space. They take up a lot of time. And every time I'm over there, he always manages to organize these big parties. Like, you know, not big, but like five or six people. We go down yep. to the local 7-Eleven, which in Japan sells booze at any time of day or night. We just stock up on lots of beer and bourbon and stuff. And we just go there and we just play these games for hours. And some of the games I like, some of them are a little bit too complicated for me, I think it's fair to say, because I like the social aspect of these games. I like the wheeling and dealing and betraying people. And sure. and I'm always the unpredictable element in these things because whenever I play I with believe them, that. Yeah, I believe they, that. they go, I don't know what he's about to do. Yeah, I believe and, that. And there's always meant to be the person who's the like the person who's meant to betray everyone else because you've got that card early in the game. Yep. I'm automatically suspect. Of course, one. You, of course you are. Absolutely. Yes. And I would suspect you as well. Yeah, exactly. And I, I play that up. I play that up all the time. So even the person who is meant to be the traitor is like going, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> this isn't helping anyone at all. Yeah. And I love those games. But um, I think I was introduced to modern board gaming um, through Carcassonne. 
Like a friend just said, oh, let's just try this. And I went, oh, okay, yeah, board game. You know, well, yeah. I don't want to play Clue or Monopoly. Right. Which because is nobody, nobody wants to play those. No. Yeah. And I played it and I went, this is good. It's, it's sophisticated. You know, things have gotten better since the 1980s when I started yeah. playing these things. Well, the, the last time I played these things. So I think Carcassonne was the, was the gateway to me, but I still love the more social games where you can chat and drink and um, it doesn't get too involved, I suppose. And see, the, the, when you have like the, the group of, of guys that I have these, these experiences with board games with, you have both. Because mm. Twilight, Twilight Imperium, for instance, the base rule book is about 48 pages the base rule book. And then we play with two expansions that each have about 25 pages worth of rules, <sighs> but we're also familiar with them that we don't really need to reference them much anymore. And there still is the completely social aspect of sitting around and drinking while you're doing it. And like, so you can have both. And that's the best part I feel like about board games. I think you need the group of friends first and work your way up to that sort of game. 100%. Because that's like, uh, although I duck into these games, like uh, Rob and a couple of other friends would actually have these before we had kids and before uh, Rob got married. Uh, we would have these game nights. You know, they'd, we'd all come around to my house on a Saturday night and we would we would play. And then, you know, some of them were more complicated than others. We played Pandemic. Some of them were more serious. Um, one of my favorite ones is uh, Kings of Tokyo, which is... That's a great game. It's just fun. Like there's it just a fun. solid element of fun and just yeah. being a dick to each other. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you, you do play some of the more serious ones. And uh, another one of my favorites, I think, which works well with a close group of friends is Dixit. Yeah. Because it's basically uh, like obscure references the game. Yeah. So if you've, yeah. if you've got a group of friends who have been friends for nigh on like 20 years the stuff that you can say in Dixit will just go, oh, oh, I think I know what he's referencing there. And I think yeah. I might do this. Yeah. My poor wife plays these games and going, I don't know what you're talking about. And yep. they're all very frightening. Uh, but uh, I think the last games night I had, we played Sheriff of Nottingham. That is one of my favorite casual games. Yeah. That game is phenomenal. Yeah. I just that that is that mixes everything so perfectly for the kind of game that I enjoy because it's got the lying, it's got the cheating, it's got the people just don't know like you know just don't know where I'm sitting, you know. And I like to tell the truth in those games a lot because people yeah. always think that I'm lying. But am I doing a double negative there? Who knows? And just like just the fact that you get to switch the dynamic up so much it's kind of on the same level as werewolf for me where you can that game that game falls under like the the category bluffing and uh betting it's like a bluffing and betting game which is a whole mm. there's a whole genre of games that are based just on that which is the other great thing about board games is like there are so many different mechanics that yeah. there's there is something out there for everybody it really is you just you just need to get him in with that one game that one yes. hook and I think, uh, like, I, I do enjoy the longer games, but I think three or four hours is basically my maximum. Sure. Because after then, after that, like, you know, even even my even after drinking for like three or four hours, not heavily, but my attention starts to wane. I start being even more of a dick and being more insufferable, which my friends will all attest to when they're trying to play a serious game. Sure. I like it, but what usually gets me is that towards the end of the game, when you know who the traitor is. 
and every person's turn takes about half an hour because they're trying to figure out the best way and if they can maybe end the game a different way. And from someone outside looking in, you always go, no, it's not going to work. There's no way you can do it. But they still explore every possible combination in every single nuance. And I think- So you're saying you lose patience. You lose patience with that. I think that is precisely what I'm saying. Okay. Because, you know, sometimes you can, there is a way out. And if you find that way out, that is marvelous. Why do you say that? Because Cody has definitely lost patience with board games with us before. (laughs) That- that totally makes sense to me. <laughs> I can imagine him doing it. it he'd totally be there, he'd be on Twitter or something, or he would just start, just yeah. start humming a merry jig. Just or, complaining, or complaining very loudly. <laughs> Come he on, that, guys. He does that too. He complains very loudly. I, if I complain, especially when I'm with my Japanese friends, I start complaining about the games being too long. I've just got a chorus of, shut up, go get a drink. It's not the best thing to tell me to do when I'm really bored because I'll just keep drinking. Sure. Sounds all right. All right. Well, I think that should uh, about do it. I think we've been going for about an hour and a half now. Which I is, think we have. Which is about uh, double what you guys usually do for your podcasts. That's moment. okay. I find you far more interesting to talk to <laughs> than I do Cody. So actually, this was much more of a pleasure for me than pretty much any other night of recording is. So was, that was actually really nice. Yeah, it was a pleasure. It was it was really good to get to know you a bit better. And I think the our dynamic works quite well as well. So I think it'll be just fine. I think uh, we might have to do this again one day. Actually, that'd be good. Especially yeah, we should. What we should do is just make a list of what really annoys our co-hosts, and then just share it with the world. I could just make a list of of things that really annoy me about Cody. <laughs> and we could just talk about that because that could definitely be an entire episode in of itself. So maybe next episode, that's what we can do. I would love to hear that. I would love to hear exactly like how Cody gets under your skin. Cause he's got like 20, 25 years of experience of doing that. It'd be a long time. It'd it would, be a long yeah. episode. We'll talk about that next time. All right. Well, I am Andrew AC Yoshimura, and I would like to thank uh, John Jonathan Uncle Stabo Drug Mule Martin. Ma- Martin. Martin. I almost got it right there. Martian. Martian. Martin. Fine too. Yep. I almost called you Martha. Martha's a good name too. <laughs> okay. I could be Martha. Is your middle name Andrew by any chance? Uh, it is. Okay. It I is. So. Actually, I would fit right in. <laughs> Just move things around a bit but thank you very much for watching this has been a game life guiden and i have had a fantastic time thank you very much yeah thank you andrew